0: Sometimes the natural world is gross, sexy, horrifying, violent, and all those other words you look for in late night TV. This show is intended for mature audiences. So who's ready to talk about Flipper decaying on the beach?
1: What a way to start. Yeah. You just win for it.
0: Oh yeah, I am leading tonight and therefore it is going to be an experience with a lot of dead shit.
1: Yep, that's right. Because Alec has the most direct experience with marine mammal rescue, I am handing over the reins of the summarizing to him.
0: I am currently a marine rescue volunteer for a local rescue group. Uh, Because of their media policy, I'm not allowed to say who it is, but just trust me, I am trained to do this kind of thing. And honestly, a lot of marine rescue is not what people assume it to be. So to describe exactly what we're talking about here, we are defining marine animals as the way a marine rescue group would, which is basically any animal that relies heavily or lives in the ocean and or brackish water in an estuary near an ocean. So that's going to be things like sea turtles and manatees and dolphins, as well as other animals kind of nearby related that rely in that area like otters or it could also be something like a pelican what is being rescued depends on what the area is as well as what the group is different groups specialize in different kinds of animals so the people that are going to be going to rescue that dolphin aren't necessarily people that are going to be rescuing that seal or that pelican out there it's really going to vary also what kinds of animals are actually rescued when you make a call fairies depend on where you live. I found out when doing some extra research for this episode that in the state of Oregon, seals are not rescued. If you make a call for a seal in danger, the state says, nope, uh, we are going to let nature take its course. Meanwhile, if you're in Maryland, there are actually places that go and rescue seals. There's also different things that marine rescuers do. So it's something I immediately hit on. Uh, One of them is picking up corpses, but they can still be of use to help save living animals. You can learn a lot from a corpse. You can learn about diet, you can learn about age, you can learn about what killed them? If it's something like a boat strike or red tide, that can help you figuring out how to protect other animals in the area and what to be prepared for. For instance, in, here in Florida, we've been having a lot of cold snap weather. So you've had a lot of stuff in the news about, hey, if you're at the beach as a visitor, keep an eye open for any turtles that might be showing symptoms of cold stress. There's also other things that you might be normally thinking of. They will go out and take them into a rehab facility and rehabilitate them. In rehab, a lot of what they can and cannot do as far as medical treatments and things like that in most areas is going to be dependent on the laws in the area. So here in Florida, a lot of what the veterinarians that work with rehab animals can and cannot do, whether it's treatments versus euthanasia, is going to depend on what Florida Fish and Wildlife says that, hey, yes, this is something that's going to help their quality of life or that's unlikely to work and their quality of life would be really low even if it did. You cannot do that. And as far as final release goes, it's not like the movies where they say, okay, Flipper did a flip and it's now time to release back into the wild because we said so. No, it's also going to come down to the law. These are laws put in place to make sure that these animals can fend them for themselves. Can Flipper actually echolocate and find food? Can that bird of prey... Still fly and move around, not just to get food, but to get away from other predators and things like that. It really depends on the situation, and that's why laws are in place. And all of this is also saying, if you see an animal in distress, the best thing you can do, whether it is marine or not, is to call your local Rescue, rehab, if you don't know who that is, look up fish and wildlife in your area and they will likely have a website with a list or even be able to tell you who to call uh, that specifically works that kind of animal because like I said, not every group works with every kind of animal. You could easily injure not only yourself, but that animal even worse if you try to do it yourself and you are not trained to. So please contact someone uh, that has know-how how how to do it. They will also walk you through on what to do while you're waiting for them to arrive. That rescue and or rehab team will know what to do.
1: Woo! Awesome. Yeah, and April 27th is specifically Marine Mammal Rescue Day. So we're going to be talking about Marine Mammal Rescue in honor of that awareness day. So what are the groups of marine mammals? Pop quiz, go. Uh, uh, I messed this up while we were planning. Uh, (laughs) Dolphins are a marine mammal. Yep. And what are dolphins? A whale. There we go. Whales. That's number one.
0: Pinnipeds, which are seals, sea lions, and otters. Yeah. Or not not otters, sorry. Seals, sea lions, and walruses.
1: Uh, You know, I didn't even listen. Shame on me. You could have gotten away with it. But that's well then, she, that's another one. Yeah, daughters. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> All
1: right. We've got two more.
0: We're talking about mammals, right?
1: Yep. Mammals, not sea turtles. They're reptiles.
0: Cyrenians, like Cirenians. manatees as well as dugongs, which are really rare, but they are still alive, which a lot of people don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. And number five.
0: Me when I'm drowning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would not make you a marine mammal because you would not be thriving
0: in that habitat. <laughs>
1: that, that is, is true. <laughs> Polar
2: bears are technically a marine
1: mammal. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. There we go. Oh, I didn't
0: even think of those. Oh my God. I know.
1: Yeah, yep. People always forget. Uh. Since we already started off the dark humor, you won't have to think about them for much longer anyway.
0: Oh. Uh,
1: Yeah. But for now, the main groups of marine mammals are whales, pinnipeds, sea otters, Sirenia, the manatees and dugongs, and the polar bears.
0: And a little asterisk for that sea otters. Uh, Sometimes it's river otters too. Like here in Florida, a couple of the groups will actually rescue river otters because they're found in those estuary areas as well.
1: Very good point. Yeah. They're all equally evil though, so. That is true. We'll get back to otters one day.
0: So this month, we also kind of deviated from the norm, and we decided to go with different rescue tales of different species rather than fun facts about one, since there's a lot of marine mammals out there.
2: There are so many, and I love all of them so much.
1: (laughs) If you had to pick a favorite, who is your favorite child? If they were all swirling down a whirlpool, and you had to pick one, you could only grab one
0: like there's entrapment for me
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean my all-time favorite now i like to say is the beluga but it really kind of depends on the day you know i love belugas i really love spotted dolphins the vaquita Mm -hmm. is super cute there aren't many of them left either but i also love manatees because like they're giant potatoes they're floaty potatoes as that one meme says it's great i said one (laughs) i would like to counter and suggest all of them
1: choose one group that group is all of them <laughs> you cannot choose marine mammal as a group yes i can no you can't i'll leave out the otters there i'll accept that answer
0: like i have to pick otters now because they've been left out by <laughs> both of you. Um, i genuinely enjoy them so much my last trip to the zoo with my sister we watched giant otters and now they're one of my absolute favorite animals but I, for long-term animal, the marine mammals that I love are actually ones that we don't really get here in Florida. It's pinnipeds. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I've always said if I ended up not studying archosaurs and I studied mammals instead, I would absolutely go for pinnipeds. Seals, sea lions, and walruses are absolutely amazing. They look like a dog that you threw in the pool for too long and adapted to it. <laughs> and also i have scottish heritage and i grew up with the stories of selkies and i all have like a little bit of webbing between my fingers which the legend goes that descendants of the selkies that have webbing between their fingers and Whoa. i would stay so long in the ocean and just hope that i would turn into a seal and swim away <laughs> so
1: that is awesome see for me it's the story about the dolphins that come on land if you know that episode of the wild thornberries hmm yeah no,
0: I do not tell more i
1: don't know the full true legend off the top of my head because it's based on a real myth um but in the wild thorn berries they talked about a myth where a river dolphin would come on land searching for a best friend or i think in the real myth it was like a mate um and they would find a person and then turn them into a dolphin and they'd go off and be dolphins together forever and um, Eliza in the wild thornberries was afraid that her sister was going ge- to be kidnapped by a dolphin and get turned into a dolphin.
0: Whoa. Mm-hmm. I mean, but also life goals? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, like, that.
1: I wanted to be turned into a dolphin rather than a seal or sea lion. I just wanted to be any swimmable
2: creature. <laughs> Emily's not picky. <laughs> no. Like, I honestly, I'd be a starfish that doesn't really swim. Yeah, but. Move in water they they move and just kind of hang out and yeah good I, enough okay I, yeah <laughs> Earlier, Alec talked about how typically most of the time, a lot of these rescue teams are called in to recover corpses. Um, And the idea is that they are going to pick them up and take them away somewhere, either to dispose of them or to donate them to a research lab where necropsies can be performed, samples can be collected and frozen for, for experiments in the future, things like that. Or in certain cases, they might be exploded where they lie.
0: That is amazing.
2: Just kaboom, gone. So this happens not super, super frequently, but I guess I should start out by saying exploding whale carcasses are actually a natural phenomenon, not just something that we do to help get rid of them there have been instances where larger whales things like say whales fin whales sperm whales especially that end up being beached on land as they're decomposing the gases build up in their systems and if you've ever been driving and perhaps seen a deer on the side of the road they look a little puffy after a while same kind of thing all those gases are building up and eventually something has those gases are going to try and escape and they escape via explosion, and so the whale carcass will just go push on its own. And many a beachgoer have been frightened and thought that the remains of these exploded whales were sea monsters, but nope, just nature doing its thing. Delightful, yeah.
0: I'd argue that that's a monster in itself—something <laughs> <laughs> that explodes and is disgusting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but uh, actually about 50 years ago, 50 years ago as of November 2020, so just a few months ago, was the 50-year anniversary of one of the most prominent whale explosions here in the United States. So in Florence, Oregon, uh, in the 1970s, there was a 45-foot, 8-ton sperm whale that washed up on shore. The community wasn't quite sure what to do about this giant sperm whale. And they gathered a whole bunch of people um, from the city council, law enforcement, even a couple of representatives to the public to basically try and figure out what to do. You know, should we try and push it back into the ocean? Uh, Should we cut it up ourselves? It was just such a massive animal and they hadn't really come in contact with anything like this before. But some guy from the Department of Transportation thought of an idea that they could just blow it up. And hopefully (laughs) uh, it would blow it up essentially into smaller pieces to allow fish or birds or other scavengers, things like that, to pick away at the remains. So they used half a ton of dynamite that they kind of stuck underneath this whale carcass. And it was a news broadcast. You can actually still find videos of it. I hear that they have been remastered into 4K now at this point. Wow. Like this was a very popular video to see as the news broadcast in the 70s. Then when YouTube came about, it was actually one of the first videos to kind of be recirculated again because it was just so insane. So yeah, you can definitely go look it up. Your
1: discretion is advised. Yeah. No, (laughs)
2: definitely. Yeah. But it looks... Like a small, like if you've ever seen pictures of atomic bombs exploding, it's like that. Not quite that big, but like you could see it. And they weren't entirely sure how this was going to go. And ironically, too, the engineer who was in charge of this project wasn't even the main proposer of this idea. His boss left on a hunting trip and basically said, Okay, you got this, you figure it out. And so this second level engineer was like, what? Uh, So, yeah, he says that it was a success. The engineer who did kind of lead this project, but passersby in the area, probably not so much because whale debris was found up to a quarter mile away. And uh, a lot of the news reporters, too, like as soon as this thing exploded, there are accounts from a couple of the local news anchors that were there that remember people starting to run away (laughs) as the bits were falling. And there were some pieces that were so big that actually crushed a couple cars, too. Oh,
1: my God. Um,
0: How do you even claim that on your insurance
1: Can you imagine not knowing about this, though? And then chunks of whale starts falling from the sky? This was another issue. Actually, there was no countdown for this explosion.
2: So, like, I liken it to shuttle launches that happen here in Florida. Typically, there's a countdown, you know? People know when that's going to happen. There wasn't one of these (laughs) for the whale explosion, as one might think. Surprisingly, you might think that half a ton of dynamite is a lot. It actually wasn't enough. The engineer is theorizing if they had used more, it would have exploded this whale into smaller pieces and decreased the amount of large pieces that were flung. Because larger pieces could build more momentum, have a faster velocity, and cause more damage than if they were smaller pieces. Also, the arrangement of the dynamite was not the best because they ended up putting it too far underneath the carcass to where a lot of the explosion was up instead of just out. Oh boy. Despite him saying it was a success. I mean, it was like the carcass was no longer there, but still some flaws for sure. But it is actually a widely celebrated event now. Um, And (laughs) with uh, last year being the 50th anniversary, there were several events that were going to be held, not as large and extravagant as they wanted to, of course, due to COVID. But there were A few kind of gatherings that were put together there. You can visit the beach where it happened. And it's part of the Oregon Dunes National Recreation Area. And there is Exploding Whale Memorial Park.
0: Uh, Is it really named that? It is. Oh my God, I love that.
2: Yep, it absolutely is. Is that a little mascot? It is a little mascot. Oh my goodness. It's just a passerby in a whale costume. Oh, Um, But yeah, I I like this story, too, because this website, OregonLive.com, put together a story about 10 things you could do to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the exploding whale. So, of course, some of them are to visit the beach where it happened, head to Exploding Whale Memorial Park, listen to Exploding Whale by John Stevens. I hope I didn't butcher that. You can watch the original news broadcast, revisit Dave Barry, who at the time was a humorist columnist. He wrote a couple articles about this incident, of course, making fun about it. You can also learn about other exploding whale incidents by going to TheExplodingWhale.com, where it dedicates itself to documenting all kinds of exploding whale incidents from all over the world.
1: That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm so glad someone's
2: keeping track of that. Yeah. It's very, I mean, it's a it's a modest website, you know, but still, if you're curious, definitely check it out.
0: I love that this was memorialized with like a named park and a holiday, even though it absolutely yeah. crushed in people's cars.
1: <laughs> it's such a bizarre thing to celebrate.
0: Yep.
2: The main reporter for KATU, whose name was Paul Linman. He was in his 20s when this happened. And nowadays, he's kind of well known as a pretty deadpan, serious reporter. But fortunately, unfortunately, he was relatively new into his newscasting career when the story happened. So once it happened, that's all anyone ever wanted to talk to him about. <laughs> so I believe I read a couple articles. He ended up writing a couple books about this incident, but then would also slip in other information about other things besides exploding whales. But yeah, for a long time, people were like, hey, aren't you that exploding whale guy?
1: <laughs> so there are worse things to be known for. Sure, sure. I imagine it would get old, though. Like, oh, yes, absolutely.
2: <laughs> the whale exploded. It was great.
0: (laughs) He's got to dread that holiday every year.
1: I don't know. I mean, I think it's I'd be pretty excited about it. You just got to embrace it and then just lean into the attention. Yes, it is. I the one who told the people of the exploding whale. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my stories this week are just delightful delightful okay I have one story that's kind of fucked up but I was just gonna tell you guys about some manatees that were rescued and saved and huzzah some live marine mammals that were rescued and released (laughs) do you guys want to hear about that yeah okay yeah don't worry if you're not satisfied though I can tell you the fucked up story too all right so this one happened here in Florida back in 2015 in the winter the waters tend to get colder in the Gulf of Mexico if we have a proper winter here in Florida, hasn't been happening recently, but in 2015, it was cold enough that the manatees were moving into warmer waters. So often manatees will head into canals because they're warmer bodies of water. They'll go to areas like uh, power plants that have warm waters. They just try to stay warm because they surprisingly don't have as much body fat as you would think. So they need to stay warm in the winters. And in February of 2015, they got themselves into a very bad spot. A group of 19 manatees actually somehow swam into a drain pipe. Did you guys hear about this one? Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, at least I have one of you. Yeah. Who hasn't heard it. So I'm giving you one of you something new. So 19 manatees ended up trapped in a drain pipe. Officials had no idea how they had gotten in there. But these poor little manatees were just kind of sitting there and they were stuck. So they had to cut open the drain pipe to access the manatees to lift them out. But a team of firefighters and Florida Fish and Wildlife and a team of rescue and veterinarians from SeaWorld were able to safely remove all 19 manatees, including a little baby and they received veterinary care from SeaWorld and then were rehabilitated and released back into proper warmer waters. That is adorable. That's amazing. Yeah. And they all made See? it. Yeah, it's it's a delightful, heartwarming story. It was very difficult for them to pull the manatees out, of course, because they're so big. I imagine like Winnie the Pooh kind of thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kind of, yes. As in they were stuck and they were large and very very heavy but not only were they heavy they were resisting of course they were thrashing and fighting some of them put up quite a big fight so it was a lot of work by the teams involved
2: yeah manatees are very strong i don't know for some reason but and there might be some of you out there as well but i mean i think manatees wouldn't necessarily be just because they move slow you know Mm -hmm. and and they just kind of bumble about but No, yeah they are very very strong
1: yeah but it looked like they were being pulled from the ground instead of from water because of how they had to access the strain pipe so it was just manatees what are you doing there you shouldn't be there and I almost wanted to create a game for you guys that was about marine mammals being in places they shouldn't be and Sea lions were great. I have so many stories, like little tidbit stories about sea lions who ended up in places they shouldn't, like car dealerships or schools and stuff like that. But the game rapidly dissolved because sea lions have been everywhere They just wander off and get into everything.
0: I feel like that means we need to do that in a future episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I can do that because they've been everywhere. They've wandered into every spot imaginable. I'll have to get very, very creative if we have a specific sea lion episode. But it's possible. There are a lot of cute stories around that.
0: So I have to know what was the really fucked up story.
1: (sighs) Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So in Sussex... So we're hopping to a different country. Back in November of 2014, a male harbor porpoise was found dead in an alley. So keeping on that theme of marine mammals ending up where they shouldn't be. And this porpoise was very old. He had poor body condition. So British Divers Marine Life Rescue said that this porpoise likely washed up on shore after it had died and then was carried to the alley where it was But upon examining the body, they think it died from essentially starvation and hypothermia. So people kind of ran with that in the media. And there was a widely circulated story about how this porpoise had fucked itself to death.
0: Oh my God.
1: It basically ran out of energy. It starved because all of its resources were being put into mating. So that was the big headline. And in some sense, there is a way that that headline could have originated. During mating season, porpoises, dolphins will put a lot of energy into sperm production to be competitive with other males. So they do use a lot of their resources. And then in an older individual, that energetic demand is going to be a lot higher. So they are, of course, not going to handle that as well as younger individuals. So this one likely just didn't have the energy reserves that it kept up uh, during mating season, died, washed up on shore. So that was the headline that it had fucked itself to death. Not really true. But the story gets a little darker and a little bit more twisted because of human involvement. Please, 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 if you ever find a carcass of any animal, please call the proper authorities. Please call a rescue rehabilitation group. But officials believe their best hypothesis because they really don't know how this porpoise got to the alleyway. It was over a mile away from the seafront. But they think people picked it up and carried it there and left it in a pool of its own blood as a Halloween prank. Oh. oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really messed up, and a small child saw it, <gasps> a little girl saw it, and somebody else said that she looked so horrified. So normally I am all for traumatizing children, but I'm, I'm really not. Don't do that. Don't. This is just too far.
0: <laughs> oh, man. That is...
1: Yeah, see, it's really fucked up. I tried to just give you a nice, happy story about some manatees that got a little stuck, but
0: <laughs> here we are. I'm glad you gave us that as, like, a precursor to go into that one. Yeah. yeah.
2: That's just, like, what a horrible end for that dolphin. Like, yeah. Oh, that's it's just crazy. But,
1: I mean, what even was the point of that prank? That's I mean, not, to be gross and It's not scary. Funny.
2: I don't know.
0: And you can also spread a lot of diseases that way. Oh, yeah. Like, there's plenty of diseases that can be tracted from especially mammals to humans. They're called zoonotic diseases. And you can end up causing other people to go to the hospital by pulling that kind of shit. Yeah. Including yourself. Yep. Yep. Well... Even though we didn't know each other's stories going into this, um, I also have a story about dead dolphins and fucking.
1: I mean, it really seems like what else do dolphins do, right?
0: (laughs) Uh, Drugs. That's going to be our game, actually, at the end. (laughs) True, 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 true. My story is, it's somewhat a story and somewhat as a like, hey, guess what this interesting information that I didn't know before being trained as Marine Rescue Volunteer. Over in University of Tasmania, they actually had 22 students come and help them dissect a dolphin. Uh, It had stranded and actually been preserved in the freezer until they had time to have Dr. Karen Evans, who is trying to do these kinds of necropsies, was able to actually dig into it and learn from this animal. Uh, There was a lot that you can learn from it. She talked about things like Age, as well as just what's going on physically, like blubber can indicate toxin buildup, things like that. But something that the students all noticed was the smell. Uh, A lot of them talked about how it was a really great experience, but the smell, and if you're eating, I would stop now. The smell of the corpse of the stranded dolphin that had been unfrozen after being frozen in a freezer for a year was like rancid Parmesan cheese.
1: Oh. That's so specific.
0: <laughs> it's like nothing else really got to them. It, you know, it's kind of gory. That's how biology research goes. You do it so that you can learn more about these animals and help protect the ones that are still alive. But it smelled like rancid Parmesan cheese to them. And they talk about a couple of the different tests they did. They talked about you know testing blubber for toxins, uh, looking at teeth for specific age. Actually, another thing that you can do with teeth is looking for stable isotopes. I did this with conchs a couple years ago in a paleoecology lab. But You can test stable isotopes to see kind of what they're eating, how the trophic levels are going, essentially food web. Uh, but something that they did not mention, that I really was kind of wondering if they're going to, is sexing the dolphins. A lot of animals, especially ones in the water, they're genitals you can't really see externally. They're going to be internal. And there is visual way to sex a dolphin. Females, it looks kind of like a division sign where males look like an exclamation point. But even then, if you have something that's really decaying, Or even just if you're doing something where, hey, we're doing this for the government or for a research project, I have to know exactly was this a male or a female, which helps tell us things about the population. You have to do an internal check. It's called digital probing, which means... You can have a decaying dolphin that you have to stick your hand up and feel around. Females, your finger will go forward, and for males, your finger can only go backward. But yeah, Marine Rescue, it's not all sunshine and rainbows and flashy things like giving fish to flipper. Sometimes you have to stick your finger up that decaying dolphin vagina. For science.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is almost made slightly better by you saying for science, because... You know, scientists have to stick their hands in a lot of weird places. And when I studied dolphins in college, we had an idea of who were males and who were females. We could tell who the females were a lot of times if they had calves with them. But even still, we had a couple of juvenile males, actually, that would play with the calves or you could see the calves swimming along with them. And I asked, you know, how do we tell? How do we know? And the surefire way is just to see them kind of swimming around and breaching and for the males, if their penis. Is sticking out, that's a pretty good indication. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, otherwise, you can't really see those things. So
1: yeah, this is why I chose to assist with cognitive dolphin research.
0: <laughs>
1: Nothing like that involved.
0: See, I do anatomical, animato- Christ, I swear I'm a scientist, anatomical <laughs> studies, uh, which means once uh, in a class I was taking, I accidentally dropped my phone in a Open but slightly decaying cat corpse.
1: <laughs> I mean, who hasn't done that once or twice? I never did. <laughs> oh, I never got. To I, I had like to the carry cat. that
0: thing across campus, and they didn't give me a large That's enough bag. Really that was also the same day that PETA was um, protesting some stuff, so that was a fun experience. Oh no! Oh, uh, so speaking of fun experiences, our game is called Pufferfish Pufferfish Pass. <laughs> partially appropriate because we just passed 420 so
2: <laughs> yeah oh double holidays triple
1: when's exploding oil day
0: a november oh. we still have time to go do a field right. trip yeah
1: well we mentioned it yeah we did it's less the 50 year
2: anniversary is less
0: than a there year ago know. so yeah never too late
2: Plus, honestly, with COVID, you know, people are still celebrating Christmas at this point. So, like, just you do you. Yep. A lot of people still
1: have their trees up. Yeah.
2: No judgment. Yeah. Celebrate what you want, when you want, as long as it's no harm to others. Please don't explode whales at Exploding Whale Memorial Park. (laughs) (laughs) Do they have signs that say please don't explode whales? I feel like that would be necessary. Uh, No. I mean... Yeah, I I don't think they do, though. Maybe they should.
0: Is it BYOW, bring your own whale? Ooh,
2: maybe. Yeah. (laughs) I just like the idea that, you know, they thought to explode it because the people in Oregon, you know, have a lot of mountains and there are a lot of loggers. So when there are things that are blocking the road, like boulders, they explode them. (laughs) So that's exactly the logic they use. Like, you know, this is in a, it's big. It's in a place we don't need it to be. Kaboom. Like. I'm sure it was way more
1: thought out than that.
2: It really doesn't sound
1: like it was. (laughs) 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 Okay. When the people of Oregon come banging down our door (laughs) in rage, I will just open it and point the way. They
2: admit that it wasn't a very thought out plan. They know that there were some flaws. Fair enough.
1: Fair enough anyways
0: so for our game we're gonna be talking about animals that seek out and use mind-altering substances a couple things i don't mean by this i don't mean animals that eat things that we make drugs out of but they don't have any effects of them like the coca tussock moth caterpillars they eat the coca plant leaves which the coca plant is what cocaine is made out of and used to be coca-cola as well they actually have a natural immunity to the effects So not talking about them. They're not seeking out this for the effects. They're just eating and they're not getting any effects at all. Also not uh, talking about any animals that we test drug addictions on, uh, such as rats. By the way, look up Rat Park. It is a really cool story about why studies should always take in consideration the welfare of the animals and how that actually can affect your research results. Have you heard the thing about, oh, rats sought out drugs in this study above anything else? Um, they changed it so that the rats could actually see and interact with each other and they would seek out social interaction more than they would in drugs. So, look up Rat Park, one of my favorite stories. What I also do not mean by this is that these substances that we're going to be talking about are all 100% bad all the time. For example, opium is used in painkillers like morphine. Ayahuasca is used safely in spiritual practices by indigenous people to the area that it's native to, like the Amazon. So don't also mean to demonize any of these substances. They can be used in positive, productive ways as well. What I do mean is animals in the wild seeking out mind-altering substances and seem to be experiencing the effects of them. So I'm going to give you this list of animals and a list of various plants, animals, and I don't even... What even is lichen classified as? I can't remember. Uh, It's
1: its It's own thing, I don't know. No one knows what to do with lichen. Yeah. It's a life form.
2: It's a life form. Yep. (laughs) Symbiotic
1: partnership
2: of two organisms, a fungus and an algae. So (laughs) it's two things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But we're pretty sure it's at least alive. We can at least agree on that.
0: Cool. So it's Venom from that movie. I'm going to have you two each pick a pair and try to match them correctly. Your list of animals are jaguar, wallaby, dolphin, dog, reindeer, and bighorn sheep. Your list of substances. You have mushrooms, which are hallucinogenic. You've got puffer fish, which are presumed hallucinogenic via their toxins. Lichen. Guess what? Hallucinogenic. <laughs> Poppies, which have opium, which is a painkiller. So something slightly different here at least. Ayahuasca, which you can get DMT from, which is another hallucinogen. And cane toads, which we all know here in Florida, or if you've watched Futurama, are hallucinogens. Or have hallucinogens in them. They're more than that. They're also life forms. So who wants to try to make a pairing first?
1: Oh, oh, it's just a free-for-all? Yep. Dolphin and pufferfish.
0: That is correct, yes! There's actually been reports of researchers watching dolphins bite a pufferfish... And start acting strange from the effects, and then another one will bite it, but they never bite hard enough to actually eat it. They just bite enough to get it to secrete some of the toxin, get some of that in their system, and then the next one in the pod. And usually juveniles that will be doing this. Figures. So there are some suspicions uh that they might not enjoy the trip. There are some saying that they might. It's hard to tell.
1: Yeah, we can't ask them. But hence the name of the game. Yes.
0: Pufferfish, pufferfish pass.
1: I cheated. I knew that one. Yeah.
2: And I got to see, I can't remember if I saw it in real life or I just saw pictures of it in lab while I was photo processing, but I have seen pictures of this event and it was kind of cute. It kind of looked like dogs, you know, it, when they have a tennis ball and they might roll around on the floor and stuff. It's like that, but a dolphin and a pufferfish. <laughs> <'cause> the pufferfish <laughs> inflates. And uh, That does sound adorable. The dolphins, <laughs> not for the pufferfish. <laughs> yeah, just kind of swim around. They don't eat it or anything like that. It's just they have a good time, I guess. Does the pufferfish live?
0: Yeah, they don't bite hard enough oh. to kill it. It just gets kind of traumatized. But
1: <laughs> I wasn't sure if it sustained injuries that led to its death.
0: That I don't know. I
1: but- mean, dolphins typically interact pretty rough. So, yeah. true. Probably
2: not on purpose, but... Mm -hmm. There could be some pufferfish fatality. It's truly tragical. Uh, Okay. My guess is going to be lichen and jaguars.
0: Nope. Jaguar and ayahuasca? Jaguar and ayahuasca is the match. Yeah, they will actually have been shown to be chewing on the plant itself. And then acting similarly to how you see house cats react to catnip. Another interesting tidbit is that there have been some stories from native cultures saying that they have watched jaguars eat this and that actually increased the animal's hunting abilities.
1: Interesting.
0: I would love to see a study on that.
1: Okay, I'm going to try again. Alright, am going to go you've got this. cane toads and wallabies. I'm going to help you out. Dog and cane toads. You know what?
0: I But it could be arguably correct. Um, I actually don't know. Oh,
1: true.
2: Because, yeah, I'm thinking cane toads found all over Australia.
0: I mean, it is a good point. Is I, I didn't see any stories about it, but I could also see it happening. So I haven't found any stories of it, but like half a point for it could actually happen. I don't know.
1: yeah. Just because no one has seen it doesn't mean it isn't real.
2: Thanks, guys. Just I like appreciate unicorns. you both. Unicorns? Yeah. Oh, boy. Next so <laughs> I guess cane toads and dogs then?
0: Yep, cane toads and dogs, as well as cats and lots of domestic animals. Cane toads are invasive in a lot of part of the world, including here in Florida. And there, I've saw so many stories online from like various vet blogs and things like that. That dogs, especially, will go and lick cane toads over and over again, even though the cane toads can kill them with enough of that ingested. But they seem to enjoy the high that they get from it.
1: My dog went through a phase where she would dive for every single cane, cane toad that she saw when we took, when I took her for a walk, and it was terrifying for me as a dog owner because I was concerned for her safety, but she would just dive bomb every single one that she saw before I could do anything. She was so fast, and she got one once, and she had it in her mouth, and then, like, dropped it because it was disgusting, but then tried to bite it again because she wanted to hold it. He was okay.
0: At least your dog said no to drugs.
1: Well, she didn't exactly. She said, Ew, this is making my mouth feel bad. But also I want that toad. (laughs) I had to take it from her. Okay.
2: Okay. I think I got this one for sure.
1: Oh, but this is okay, 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 okay. You got this. Lichen and reindeer.
0: You're so close. Oh, it's
1: lichen and bighorn sheep.
0: Yes, it's lichen and bighorn sheep.
2: But again, reindeer eat lichen too.
0: This is A specific kind that I didn't write down the name. I should have written down the name of it. It A specific kind that was only found in Bighorn Sheep area, not in Reindeer area.
2: There, there. (sighs) It's fine. Okay. Is it the Wallaby and Poppies?
0: Yes! Wallabies and Poppies.
2: Oh, I just started sweating.
0: (laughs) Do you remember the scene in *The Wizard of Oz* where they all fall asleep in the poppy field? Yes, yes of course. course. That basically happens with wallabies in uh, oh. yeah, in Australia. They will get into poppy fields and eat the poppies. It's kind of a debate as to whether they're in an area that didn't have any other food or if it was actually for the effects of it. But it happens often enough that it seems to be leaning towards they are going for those effects. But they eat so much that they pass out. (laughs) They'll be lying in the field of poppies, just like Dorothy and her friends in The Wizard of Oz.
1: Silly Wallamies.
2: Speaking of that scene in Wizard of Oz, do you guys know what that substance was made out of? Asbestos. (gasps) What? Yep. Yeah. To a lot of times in films during that time period to recreate snow, they would use asbestos. So they rained down pure asbestos on Judy Garland and her band of pals. Oh, no. Yep.
1: It all worked out. (laughs) It did, I guess. There was so much poison and death. That's true. That they subjected those actors to.
0: Tin man's paint. My God.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: All right, so we do have one pairing left.
1: Well, now Emily has just put away the list. I don't even, even get oh, to see it, but sorry. I'm just going to say reindeer and mushrooms because I'm that good and I don't need
0: it. <laughs> yes, reindeer and hallucinogenic mushrooms. Now, not only the reindeer and the hallucinogenic mushrooms, the people taking care of the reindeer that are farming them realize that, oh, the reindeers are you know getting hallucinations from eating these mushrooms. I want those mushrooms. But there was also... Other negative side effects, um, I couldn't find exactly the details uh, that they didn't want. So there was a group of reindeer herders that would actually distill urine for reindeers that ate the mushrooms so they could get a cleaner high. Wow! If you have a reindeer, please don't do that, by the way. I'm not saying to make reindeer piss drugs. <laughs> this is just a podcast. Please don't do that.
1: This is going to be all your fault, Alec, when people do this. How do they know that
2: the reindeer were hallucinating? Like, what do you think they are hallucinating?
0: Is Santa coming to get them? I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alec, we only talk about real things on this podcast. Santa is real. <laughs> like unicorns. Oh, shush.
0: <laughs> next month. <laughs> well, speaking of next month, do you want to tell us, unless someone has not heard us been saying it for the past 15 minutes, what next month's topic is?
1: Yes. We're going to talk about unicorns. That's right. We're going to talk about the Siberian unicorn, the unicorn that is actually real, and a couple of tangential related historical accounts and mythological versions of unicorns. So you'll get to hear me talk very unscientifically for a little bit. I apologize, but I love unicorns so much and I'm not ashamed.